And just a special thanks to Robin and our worship team and tech team for all the work they put in on this. Can we show them our appreciation? Thank you very much, Robin. I kind of want to do that thing one more time. So are y'all ready? He is risen. Amen. Welcome to Easter. So I... I hope you're able to be a part of our Good Friday service that we did, and a great job by our youth and children's and worship team putting together an awesome experience. And But it's painful. It's painful talking about the cross. It's painful seeing what Jesus went through. But without the pain of Good Friday, we don't experience the true joy of Easter Sunday. Isn't that right? So we have to understand what took place for us to appreciate what truly went on. I want to encourage you guys to come back next week. Uh, we'll be having our first Fruit Sunday in which we talk about some good stuff going on here uh, in Collin County, but also some things that are happening, especially down in El Salvador, some news that we want to share, and God is at work. And so we want you to get an update on what's happening next Sunday. And then two weeks from today, we're starting a new sermon series entitled Convictions, and it's what we believe. So I have to tell you, it's kind of a meat and potatoes type sermon series of gospel. Boy, it's just what do we believe? Kind of Christianity 101. And so it's good for us to be reminded so we can also articulate what it is that we believe and why we do the things that we do. So I encourage you two weeks from today to join us for our conviction sermon series. Well, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, Mary Magdalene and Joanna, another Mary, and several other female disciples of Jesus got together. And they had with them some fresh linens, they had some spices and other things. They were going to embalm the body of Jesus. They had seen where he had been laid, and they knew exactly where the tomb was. The problem that they're facing is they also saw that they put a large stone. So they're trying to figure out how are we going to get in there to do what we need to do since we weren't allowed to the last time. Well, when they arrive on the scene, it's kind of a good news, bad news, because good news is the stone has been rolled away, but then it's confusing. How did that happen, and what does that mean? And sure enough, they go and they peek in, and the body is not there. And so they're, they're trying to process, and they're kind of in shock, and, and they're stunned. And about that moment, two figures come forward, two angels. And they said, why are you looking for a living person where they put the dead folks? Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen, and he told you this was going to happen. So, yeah, we, we remember. And so they kind of take a step back. I mean, what do you do in that situation? So they decide to go and tell the 11. Of course, at this time, is you know, Judas has, has gone off and done his thing. And, and Thomas, who knows, he was there. And so they're in, in kind of shell shock as well. So these female disciples come in. They grab their disciples and say, this is what we just witnessed so they kind of take it with a grain of salt. Well, you guys are kind of emotional. You know, as, as we've all been through it. No, we're telling you his body is not there. So Peter's like, I don't know if I believe this, but at least I'm going to get up and I'm going to go see. 
And so the text tells us Peter followed him back, and uh, John would later add, not only did I go too, I actually outran Peter because I'm a little fleeter of foot. And so they arrive at the tomb, and sure enough, they look in, and there's nothing but stacked linens over to the side. No body. And so they had to make a decision of what are you going to do with this testimony of these witnesses? And then they too became witnesses later on. You had the disciples on the road to Arimathea, uh, I mean on the road to Emmaus. And, and so they're, they're going and they witness this thing. And then it, the text tells us that he appeared to over 500 in one place. And so we have to decide what are we going to do with the testimony of these witnesses? What do we do? Jesus Christ rose from the grave. So today, I, I want us to look at the story uh, with the idea that Easter is an event. And understand two things about this. Number one, we need to understand when we're talking about Easter, let's understand the magnitude of what happened on Easter morning. And then number two, Let's talk about, if that's what happens then, let's talk about the magnitude of life change that can happen now because Jesus rose from the dead. So let's take a look at what happened then. I was reading an article online about Quentin Tarantino's movie, The Old Spaghetti Western, Hateful Eight. Now, I have to warn you, it's a Tarantino movie. I haven't seen it, but I'll just tell you, proceed with caution if it's Tarantino. But they, they talked about in this article that there is a scene in which the actress, Jennifer Jason Lee is singing a melodious song while playing guitar inside this mountain outpost. And so she's in the middle of a song, and while she's still playing, Kurt Russell's character comes in from the cold. He listens for a while. And he decides he doesn't like the song, and he walks over and he grabs this old guitar and he smashes it against a post. Well, Tarantino wanted to make sure that the scene was pulled off authentically, and so he borrowed a rare 1870s Martin guitar from the company's museum, valued between $400,000 and half a million dollars. And he had to sign all kinds of agreement, you know, that we're going to take care of this thing. And they said, well, we're only going to use it for the close-up shots of Jennifer Jason Lee so people know it's an authentic guitar. And so they had planned and, and built six replica props for the whole smashing scene. They didn't tell Martin about that. Well, the only problem is when they start filming the scene, the director, Quentin Tarantino, never said cut. He never stopped it and opted for one long continuous scene. If you remember, um, here comes Kurt Russell's character mid-song. He doesn't know that the prop hasn't been switched, walks over, and they're still filming. He grabs the guitar, this vintage Martin, and smashes it into 100,000 pieces. Well, they have to call the museum and said, um, we uh, damaged the guitar in filming, and they said, well, okay, well, we, we can repair it. Just pick up whatever, you know, however it was damaged. Well, we'll, well they brought back a shoebox full of toothpicks. And so there were, Tarantino actually asked if he could borrow another one. They're like, no, we're, we're done. We're not doing this. But in the story of the cross, the exact opposite of that. So up to this time, when we have a problem with sin, there's a sacrifice 
but the props, the substitutions are used. Whether it be lambs or goats or pigeons, these are things that God has put in place to cover over sin. So dating back to Adam and Eve, you've got, uh, they step outside of God's will and the partaking of the fruit, and so they realize they're naked, and so God sacrifices an animal, and the skins were used to clothe them. The first sin that happens after that that's recorded is a whole, uh, we have Cain and Abel, and so Abel brings a sacrifice that's better, and his heart was right with God. And so Cain didn't like that. And so it goes on and on. We have the story of Moses, and he's delivering God's people after 400 years of crying out. And so God sends the death angel, if you remember. And so a Passover lamb is taken, and the blood is put above the doorpost, and it passes over the house that's covered by the blood. But in this case, the prop is removed and the priceless real thing, God's only son, is substituted. So the first thing we understand about the magnitude of Easter is the son is the sacrifice. The son is the sacrifice. It's incredible. He's God's Passover lamb. In our study of the book of Hebrews, we talked about how Jesus is our great high priest. And unlike other other priests that entered into the most holy place on the day of atonement, they entered because of the blood that they carried with them of calves and goats and rams. So they brought this blood in. Jesus, our great high priest, is able to enter into the most holy place with his own blood, and how that changes us when we are joined with him. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says this, Oh, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. He said, you got to understand if the people felt good for a moment because they're covered with the, the blood of the land that was sacrificed in their stead, but yet they stepped out of that and they sinned again. They're like, oh, we got to go back. Now we are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. And our Heavenly Father on the day of judgment will not see us, but His Son, Jesus, who stepped in in our stead. So the reason that we gather this morning for Easter is to celebrate that God loved us so much that the sacrifice was the Son. The second thing that we need to understand about the magnitude of Easter is there is value in the victory. There's value in the victory. And what do I mean by that? Right out of college, I had the opportunity to go spend some time in Africa on a mission. And I was sent around with some others, and we would preach from village to village. And one Sunday morning, a t-shirt caught my eye as I was out there preaching, and I kind of pick out something, I couldn't read all of it. So what I ended up doing is, after we were done, I went up to go see it in, in person. And the reason that it caught my eye is it said, Denver Broncos World Champions. Now, this was the late 80s, and, and the Broncos had not won a world championship. 
And then it kind of dawned on me. This was a Super Bowl 12 t-shirt that was never sold. Why? The Broncos didn't win. And so they packaged all these up. They had them ready to go to the market because the Broncos, the Orange Crush, were going to defeat the Cowboys. And they were going to win. Well, they didn't. We're like, why do we do these shirts? I don't know. Send them to Africa. And so this guy had one of those shirts. And so it dawned on me. That's what was going on. But it held no value because there was no victory. So that day, I shared the love of Jesus and the greatness of the Cowboys who won Super Bowl XII. <laughs> but if Jesus had not risen from the dead, folks, we would not be here today. We would not. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul says, I tell you, it's true. You would not be here. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. He's like, it means nothing. Go home. Have brunch. Do what the rest of the world does if Christ didn't come forth from the grave. That's how paramount this event was to what we believe. Maybe you remember the story in Acts chapter 5, Jesus has, has resurrected and he's gone and ascended to be with his heavenly Father. And so the disciples have preached at Pentecost. You have several thousand people come to the Lord. And so this movement is making its way across Jerusalem. And so the folks that are, are worried about their place being displaced were the Jewish leaders. And so they're trying to do everything that they can to squash this rebellion. So they have, have come in and they've arrested some of the apostles. And they put them in jail. And then when they go to bring them before the Sanhedrin, well, they're not there because the angel has let them go. And they're, they're like, well, where are they? Well, I think they're out in the marketplace and they're out in the temple. And they're talking about Jesus again. So they kind of powwowed together. And they said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to rearrest them. And before they can escape again, we'll kill them. Well, Gamaliel goes, oh, time out. Hold the bus. This isn't our first rodeo. We have been down this road before, haven't we, group? He says, do you remember Theodos? He had 400 followers. And everyone thought he was the, the next, the, the Messiah that's come. Well, when he was taken out, what happened to 400 followers? And they're all like, well, I guess he wasn't. And they all go home. He said, a, a, a few months later, you had Judas the Galilean. And when he was killed... He had an even bigger following. What happened to his disciples? Well, they scattered. They went to the hills. We've never heard from them. No one says that they, they follow Judas the Galilean. Well, if Jesus is not the real deal, and he's just another one of a long list of martyrs and long list of people that call themselves the Messiah, it will be of men, and they will die. They will disperse. But word of warning. If he is the Messiah, if this is of God, you will find yourself not fighting against these apostles. You'll be wrestling with God the Father. And sure enough, that's what took place. They didn't disperse. They didn't give up. They went to their grave, saved John, all because the resurrection changed everything. 
They could care less about their lives. They were looking for the life to come because they saw it could be done through Jesus. When he walked forth from the grave, he moved from martyr to victor. So there became power and value in the victory. Value in the victory. Finally, there's power in the promise. John chapter 11 Jesus and his disciples get word that Jesus' close friend Lazarus, if you remember, Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Well, Mary and Martha send word that Lazarus is ill. He's gravely ill, and Master, please come quickly. So Jesus, instead of quickly running over there, he stays for a couple of days and then starts his journey. And the disciples are like, um, shouldn't we be? Because this is all to God's glory. Well, when they arrive on the scene, Lazarus' illness has moved to death. And, and he's been in the tomb for four days. And so word gets back to Mary and Martha. Hey, Jesus and his disciples have just come through town. Well, Mary is sitting there weeping. Martha's like, we're going to have a talk. So she gets up and she goes running into the marketplace. And she wants to talk about his delay. And so she is furious to what's going on. And she talks about his tardiness. She said, Lord, if you had cared enough, Lord, if you had been here, been here for your friend Lazarus, he would not have died. Martha, don't worry about your brother. He will rise again. I know, uh, the day of resurrection, I've heard about it. We talked about it in class. Uh, but I, I'm talking about right now. And Jesus says in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection, Martha. I'm the resurrection in the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, including you. Do you believe this and he said take me to the place where they've laid him called out for Lazarus Lazarus come forth and of course uh, Lazarus is all <laughs> I'm doing the best I can you know I help the guy out come on unwrap him he is alive it's the first fruits what's going on this is what I can do through the power of spirit and God's will and he is a precursor to what's going to happen to me and what's going to happen to you, and you, and you, and you? This is what happens when we unite ourselves with Jesus. June 18th, 1815. It's the Battle of Waterloo. It's a decisive moment in the Napoleonic Wars. On one side, you got the French led by Napoleon. He had kind of a Napoleon complex, and you know, he's up on a horse, and uh, I, anyway, so he, he's over here, and then on the other side, you got the Allied forces, and that's the British and the Dutch and the Germans, and, and they're led by the Duke of Wellington. So the people of England have the most to lose in this, and so they're trying to figure out what's happening in the war, and so they had set up kind of a Morse code of sorts system where those in the battle line could send word to a tower on the edge and then to the next tower in each village and went all the way back to where the people are wanting to know what's happened. And so sure enough, they would send out these coded things, and the first message that went out from the tower of Winchester Cathedral 
It said W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. Okay, Wellington. Okay. The next word, D-E-F-E-A-T-E. D, defeated. Well, then a, a, a bank of clouds came in, and they couldn't get the rest of the message. They're like, all we've got is Wellington defeated. So word kind of spreads throughout the village and around the countryside and the next Wellington's defeated. So what happens next? Is Napoleon going to keep marching? Are we going to become French? What is happening here? Well, then the clouds began to disperse. And suddenly the fog lifted. And the message continued. T-H-E-E-N-E-M-Y. The enemy. Wellington defeated the enemy. Well, that message is completely different. Suddenly, their sorrow was turned to joy, and their despair was turned to hope, and their defeat was turned to victory. When Jesus died on the cross, it had to have been the exact same thing. Hope died that day at Calvary with his disciples. After the crucifixion, there was a fog of disappointment and despair that you could cut through. These are the friends of Jesus, and they're wondering, what in the world do we do next? It's done. We've devoted our lives to this for three years, and now Jesus. They killed Jesus. But they had only read part of the message. Christ defeated. The third day, the fog lifted, and they'd received the rest of the message. Christ defeated death. That's the magnitude of what happened at Easter. Death no longer is something we have to fear. Death is no longer a ticking time on. Death is no longer something in the future that we're dreading. It is passing from this life to the next because death has been defeated. We do not mourn at our funerals like those who do not have the Lord, but we celebrate that they're going on to live with their Heavenly Father for all of eternity. So if, if that's what happened then, how does it impact us now? 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, the Apostle Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What Peter said is, this is good news. Number one, you've got an inheritance that's already been paid for. Amen, church? It has been paid for. And it has been guaranteed, and God's heavenly host is guarding that inheritance until the day we'll receive it. But Peter said the other part of the equation you have to understand right now is you have a living hope to where you can do life different right now. It, it, it changes. We have a living hope. N.T. Wright says this, the point of the resurrection is not simply that the creator God has done something remarkable for one solitary individual, but that in and through the resurrection, the present evil age has been invaded by the age to come. 
The world is a different place and human beings have the new possibility to become a different kind of people. Church, do you understand what that means? We're living life in reverse. We know how it ends and we back up from there. We don't have to worry about the future. We don't have to worry about where this ends. We live in response to what Jesus did in the past and the promises that he's given for what our future looks like. And we live in that reality right now. We are a people defined by Easter morning. Because of Easter, we believe in the power of the great physician to bring about healing. Because of Easter morning, we believe dead marriages can be brought back to life. The irreconcilable differences can be reconciled because of Jesus in the tomb. We believe on Easter because of the prodigal sons that have wandered away. We believe in the power to bring back the prodigal sons and daughters to return home to their father. We believe because of Easter that those that are imprisoned in addictions can and will be set free because of the power of Jesus Christ. Because of Easter, we believe in a kingdom community where skin color and finances and, and gender, things that the world says divides us. They don't with this community because we're all bowed down to the foot of the cross and we all celebrate Christ, our risen Lord. That's what changes in our world. There's a power that's made available to us because we know where we're going and we know that we have united ourselves with Jesus Christ. One final story in the message is yours. Several years ago, our family cashed in some frequent flyer miles and Jill found a cheap VRBO in Hawaii. Turned out it was cheaper than going to Disney, but that's another story. So we decided we're, we're going to pile up the family and we're going to head over on fall break and we're going to go over uh, and experience Hawaii. We didn't know if we'd ever be back again. So we said, okay, what do we want to hit in case we never come back? Well, first on my list is I want to go to Pearl Harbor. And I wanted the whole family to experience that and understand and be, have an opportunity to share with our kids what folks have done on our behalf. So sure enough, when we landed, we got our luggage, we put it on in the rental car and we drove past Pearl Harbor. I'm like, why not, before we go check in, let's go and experience Pearl Harbor. And so the parking lot was filled. We're like, eh, I may have to wait a little bit. We got up there, and they said, I'm sorry, but the memorial is closed today. You'll have to come back in the morning. We're like, sorry, folks, park's closed. Oh, okay. So we're like, well, what do we do now? And so we showed up the next morning, and they said, get here early, and you'll be in one. So we're on the first boat to go over to the memorial. And so I was talking with the guy that was piloting the boat, and I said, what took place yesterday that they had to close down the memorial? And they said, well, we had a funeral service here. I'm like, can anyone do like weddings and funerals here? And knows a venue. He goes, no, no, no. It's just for those that were active during Pearl Harbor that want to be reunited. And it turns out that 44 crew members of the USS Arizona have decided and made a decision that when I pass from this life to the next, I want my remains to be placed with the 900 souls that were, uh, that they never found their bodies. They were entombed in the bottom of the USS Arizona. And so they said, I want to be with my buddies through this. And so, man, it was a defining moment in their life. And they're like, I want to be joined in death with those I served in life. 
And so what happens is the families bring uh, the, the remains to the memorial and they have a crew of Navy divers that are there, a team to go and they uh, have a little service and then they swim under and then they permanently mount it in the ship's wreckage on the floor of Pearl Harbor. So we had just missed that. And, and, and so we were kind of soaking all this in and I got to thinking, I really appreciate the sentiment and, and I certainly appreciate those that have courageously served and paid the ultimate price for our freedom. But I want to be reunited in death with the one that conquered death. I want to walk forth from the grave by the same power of the Holy Spirit living in me that lived in my brother Jesus. I want to live for all of eternity with my heavenly Father. So the day that defines me is the day that Jesus walked forth on Easter morning. That is the story that defines me and defines you. That's our moment for all of eternity. So the question for us this morning is, are you living into that reality? And for those, if you have not joined your life with Jesus... You don't have the power of the Spirit living in you and the blood of Jesus covering over you. Well, do that now. Make the Easter story your story. If we can help you in any way, don't hesitate. Come now as we stand, as we sing.